welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 166, A Game of Thrones Brand 2. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Once again, we are coming to you live, and by live we mean not live. I mean, not live for you, but live for us. Most <laughs> things are live for us. We are together. We are in the same room. Actually, we're really close to each other. Just like Jamie and Cersei, yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Uh, if you aren't keeping up with our House of the Dragon weekly episodes that are coming out to the public Tuesday mornings and patrons Monday nights over at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. If we can. If not, you know what? So far, three yeah, out of yeah, three yeah. though. Three yeah, out no, of three. No, absolutely. I just don't want to, I don't want to put that on you. I don't want to put that on you. <laughs> For our patrons, I will work on the hot tea all night. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. God, if you're not keeping up, though, we are hanging out this month, The uh, pretty much the first half-ish of the season. Eliana and I are together in mm-hmm. love, romantically, romantically on it the may, East Coast. I don't know about that, but it's we, are, we are here. We are here. And yes, we are, as you all know, we just started a new peel. It's a new season for so many reasons, right? A new season of Girls Gone Canon and Game of Thrones. I know, I know, but it is, it is, and like, you know, new POV, it's literally turning fall as we speak, right? Like, Are you saying summer is over? Summer is over. See, I told you last episode. Leave the fuck alone. (laughs) We're not doing this episode anymore. (laughs) Eliana, I didn't even say this last episode to you, but I just want to remind you about the last hero, because, you know... His dog died. His horse died. His sword. Why did you add the horse to this? What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) I just want to, you know, feel something. Maybe I should fire Chloe from now on. It's fire and blood season. Yeah, to contrast fire and blood season, we are going full winter on it with Bran, right? As we leave summer, go into fall in real life and in the story. I'm excited to jump back into Bran or jump yeah. out of a tower or whatever oh happens. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, this chapter. we didn't even plan for all of these to coincide. Uh, things got delayed this summer on account of me. But, it all yeah. worked out like, yeah, you know, it was kismet. It's know? fine. It's fun. This is yeah. fun. Well, later this month, we will be putting out a Patreon episode for our patrons in the Stranger tier, the $5 tier and above. We do bonus episodes every month. Last month, we talked about the Mothers of the Dragon in Fire and Blood, and in true Girls Gone Canon spirit, it has become a multi-part series. That said, we'll let you know when to expect the next part. We actually end up, we stop right before Alisan. Yeah, and I think that if you think about it, it always kind of had to be a multi-part series, because one day... Fire and Blood Volume 2, and maybe 3, depending on how George feels about things. One day there will be a Fire and Blood Volume 2, and we would have had to split it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. If we continued it, which we would. We, we know would. us. We, we, would. we, we would. would. We would. Yeah. This month we don't really <laughs> have cute. an idea yet to stay consistent. We, uh, <laughs> we've tossed a couple of rounds. Yeah. We don't have it yet. Yeah. Now that said, by Brand 3 next week, or likely by Hot D, episode four, I'm sure you may hear something about what we're going to do. Yeah, just give us a few more days and we'll figure it out. But something else that we know for sure and have nailed down is, of course, our Discord brunch. Once a month, patrons, we gather everyone for brunch slash happy hour. It's more of a brunch, and by that I mean 
I drink a lot of water. This month it'll be on Sunday, September 18th from 2 to 4 p.m. Chloe, what do people do at brunch? First of all, I want to put out there it's Eliana time, E.T. Um, that's the most important part of that statement you left off. I know it feels weird calling it your time. It's your time, girlfriend. It's like the it's hour like, of the Eliana. The hour of the wolf. <laughs> hour, no, it's the hour of the rat. There is, I think, an hour of the rat. Is there not? Well, every hour with you is the hour of the okay. rat. But all right, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we have a blast at brunch. You can hear banter like this at brunch live. I don't know. Lately, we've been using it kind of as a hot D stomping ground or... <laughs> You know, you were out of touch for a little bit. You were traveling abroad, Alyssa Farman style, and I had to hold down court. And let me tell you, we all just kind of like bitched about inequalities in the world. And we got oh. really political and everybody just talked about how much they hate the U.S. government because most of, I mean, it was when Roe versus Wade was overturned. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, anything could happen. Sometimes we play games like Discord games we do uh yeah. we do jackbox games sometimes everyone to play something that was kind of like telestrations or something i don't know what i don't remember there's a board game kind of like it but it's like telephone but oh yeah drawing. you played the telephone yeah, yeah, game yeah. yeah that was fun it sounded like i was jealous actually i i like these little fun internet games but we like to do those or we just like to hang out and bitch and that's fun that is fun we have a really good group over at discord i i, I can't say it enough and our thunder tier patrons and above at patreon.com slash girls gone canon they in the ten dollar tier and up have a really cool advantage because i'm gonna be honest it's a lifetime tier if you pledge to us in that tier and you come hang out at discord and get your private access you're not going anywhere you're, you're gonna stay there forever if you can't afford it i don't care you're a thunder tier patron for life because it's really not about money for us it's just about i don't know hanging out we we have a really good time and our friend maddie actually a bunch of our friends at the Patreon Discord have really stepped up to just, like, make it their own house. Mm -hmm. Our friend Pete ran these great, great discussions about His Dark Materials, Series 1 and Series 2, which we'll be covering in the fall when it comes back for Series 3. And Maddie has stepped up. She's stepped up and taken the bat, and she's doing a House of the Dragon weekly discussion on Fridays at 2 p.m. ET. So not only are we doing a monthly brunch happy hour constantly, but Maddie is leading a discussion every week where... We hang out and just talk about what's to come next week for the new episode and what happened last week. And not even just that, but without without even clocking in, she's also been hanging out and discussing it right after the episode yeah. with friends. That's A been crazy. A lot of people have been, yeah, joining right after the episode. Voice chatting all night. I mean. I'm going to bed at that time. <laughs> yeah. Eliana's <laughs> leaving my house I'm like, and goodbye. she's like, goodbye, I must walk home and sleep for eight years for work. Yeah. But yeah, I but mean, there are people who join, like, and it's it's cool. It's cool, and um, I love watching it. I love seeing everyone. I love just... watching community build. Yeah, yeah, I love them. Don't tell them, but I love them. I'm gonna edit it out. No, you're no. not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> you're not I'm, not. I'm not. But yeah, come be a part of our little community. You know, we have a blast with them every week, every day. It's my my first thing is I track my messages. You know, in the morning, I go oh. What's the Discord fam up to? We've got tons of the different Discord little... Discord discourse. The Discord discourse. Tons of little message boards to join in on yeah. and growing constantly. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah. And, of course, let's talk about some emails and tweets of note. We haven't done emails and tweets of <laughs> note in so long. This is so exciting to me because we have some really good ones. We have... Actually, we have some really good emails and tweets of note that I knew were going to come to us. 
Like there are a couple <laughs> faces that I feel like we're gonna see in our inbox throughout this season mm-hmm. of the girls gone. Isle of faces that we're gonna see throughout uh, uh, Isle of Faces. Well our first one is from our friend Brandon. But not that Brandon, but maybe that Brandon. Who knows? Do you think that's why he emailed? <laughs> secretly so my theory, Brandon, I'm sorry. My theory is that you wrote in specifically to celebrate us starting a Brandon POV. I'm going to be honest, he actually says in his email, that's why he's writing. Like, not that his name's Brandon, which is what you're theorizing, but yeah. in general, he's writing to celebrate. So. I am reading the subtext. Oh I, I see you, Brandon. Maybe through the trees, maybe not. Eliana, whose best theory is known as Ned Stark warging into the pigeon that became <laughs> that Little Pigeon. That my theory. That became Little Pigeon. Oh, wait, no, that part is my theory, yes, that's true. I thought, I, th- I was like, I can't take credit for that. I can't take credit for that genius. <laughs> um, we are drinking an evil genius beer right now, by the yeah. way. chocolate, pumpkin porter, and you are yeah, the I'm evil genius. It. I don't know, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> Brandon says, to go forward, we must go back. Aha, he gets it, he sees why <laughs> we did it. <laughs> old stories are like old friends, she used to say. You have to visit them from time to time. Brand two in a storm of swords, or as he says, ASOS. That affectionately. is actually literally what it is. I always think of it as ASOS, like the clothing store. But yeah, it is also a sauce. A sauce. A sauce. I'm sure this means we'll continue to go back with a reread of Sansa next. <laughs> oh my True. god, yeah. He gets it. Yes. He gets it. But afterwards, he wants more Catelyn, he says. Ooh. And he wants to know, you know, more back analysis. Like, what are her exercises? They must be intense because Catelyn carried the first three books on her back. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah, Brandon. Yes, yes. Brandon. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I will say Catelyn is just so recent that I feel like I need to change as a person before I go back to those episodes. Does that make sense? No, like, that does make chapters? sense. Yeah. yeah. It's silly to say, but like. Yeah, we did a lot of these characters four or five years ago. We're different humans oh now. We have, God. I was going to say we Holy have different shit. life goals. I don't that, really know what I I'm mean, doing still. It's still different. You yeah. Know? Like, it's... Yeah, I know shit, even less. Four years ago. Five? Think about the five years ago. Think about Skyping, about Dunkin' Egg five years ago. Anyway, so... Old. Very old. Not seven. Not like Bran. Yeah, I think I'd need, like, at least another year if <laughs> before going back to Catelyn. But... <laughs> We're not going back to Catalan right now. I just want you to know. We're not. I'm just talking about if we did. This is the worst. (laughs) Anyways, so thank you so much for the email, Brandon. Brandon, For bringing out the worst hypotheticals in Eliana all night long. Can't wait to deal with this. (laughs) Alright, so speaking of our Discord discourse, in response to the very first inaugural Bran episode, our friend Warren, who is super excited for us to start Bran, left this very strong comment about something we should be looking out for in Bran's arc, which is the overriding theme of the loss of innocence. Warren says, George introduces it really well framed in a strong storytelling chapter where we are also given Bran's view on some of his male role models. Why is Bran here with this group? As Ned said, he'll be a man grown soon. He's eight. Screaming emoji, screaming emoji, screaming emoji. (laughs) Agree. Agree, Warren. I agree. And winter is coming. The saddest thing in these early chapters is the glimpse we get of the childhood Bran has that is cruelly snatched from him as events take over. It's not just Jon Snow who needs to kill the boy and let oh the man be born. But just as it's not... Do you want to do it, Chloe? Kill the boy and let the man be born. I'm leaving all of this in. 
just as much as it's not just Bran who understands Northern justice after this chapter, also what I've really taken from this week's cast is Bran's connection and understanding of Mercy. Like all the current Starks, he is emotionally smart and inherently kind. It's interesting as the story develops and the Starklings face their challenges that this kindness causes them difficulties in different ways. Bran clings tight to it, though. And yes, absolutely. And I wanted to call this out because these thoughts have kind of inspired, you know, something that uh, we'll come back to at the end of this chapter, right? After we've looked at all this regarding that loss of innocence. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you have to say because I know we went through a lot of this with our other series we cover. I thought you were going to say that we went through a lot of loss of innocence. We've lost a lot of innocence together. I wouldn't be surprised. We're pretty old. Oh my god. (laughs) Anyways. Can we get through this episode without having an emotional romantic connection, Ariana? <laughs> but no, I'm I'm excited to hear, especially in lieu of like how we've discussed some of our other series and just uh, yeah. the idea of like innocence and loss of innocence and what it means in the formation of life very early. However, God, this feels really good to say. <laughs> I'm like I haven't gotten to say this in a while with you. What? What? I really want to do a legitimate, official, original. Very much OG. What is she gonna say? Lightning round with you. We haven't <gasps> oh done my like God, a real. We haven't done a real one in so long. Our prologues were a little off the wall. I went a little. I, I got a little rogue in those. I was a rogue princess about those ones, you could say. Yeah. But we're back. I really want to do a lightning round with you. So here's what we missed a between whole ago. Yeah. Brand One and Brand Two in a Game of Thrones. Catalan One. Catelyn brings Ned word that his pseudo-father figure has passed away, and his BFF the king is on his way to Winterfell. Dang, these are some early chapters. These are exciting, this lightning round. I feel young again. Uh, Daenerys 1, Enter the House of Gucci. We have to watch that. I know. Enter the House of Gucci, where the only thing that could bring it down was the House of Gucci itself. Eddard won. The king arrives to Winterfell and makes a proposition to join House Stark and House Baratheon. John won. Wait, no, I'm sorry. I, I would read this, but no, Chloe has to do this. Bastard. Motherless. Damned. Catelyn too. Catelyn's sister sends word that makes Catelyn believe something more is afoot about John Aaron's death. She and Ned decide he should go to King's Landing to investigate. Arya won. Arya hates needlework and chooses to watch a very different needlework in the yard where the boys are at practice. That brings us to Agot, Bran 2. Bran loves to climb. He knows Winterfell better than anyone living within it. He knows its walls, its tunnels, its caverns, its secrets. Which is likely why it's a bit of a nasty shock when he's thrown down a tower into the abyss. Only a little bit. Uh, and that starts off brand two, where we open with the king taking Joffrey, Rob, Uncle Benjen, Jory, Sir Roderick, Theon, and Tyrion on a hunt for boar, leaving behind Bran, John, the girls, and Rickon. Right off the bat, the thing that stood out the most to me is that John is left behind. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And it's kind of like how earlier in John's chapter, John is seated very far away from the royal dais, right? During the feast. Yeah. Uh, and it really makes you realize, was Ned putting John very far away from the king just in case he 
glimpsed any likeness to John. Knowing what's in Ned's heart, you know, because I know Ned, we're friends, and knowing what's in his heart, (laughs) (laughs) bummer what happens to him, but (laughs) sorry for that guy. I miss my friend. I do miss my friend Ned, but I I know him, and I know what's in his heart, and like, he had to be shitting himself every moment, right? (laughs) Snow Ned, he's like, oh god, keep John away from the king, what if he, that guy loved Liana's memory, what if he remembers his memory around John? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I do think that's a big part of why John's not allowed to go or isn't going. I mean, there could be other stuff too, but I think that's one of the biggest drivers. Uh, I, I'm just also kind of excited about this because I'm coming off of the previous Royal Hunt, which aired this week in House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 3, Second of His Name. But I guess maybe this is what, six or seventh of his name, depending on what canon or whatever you're going by. this this Aegon slash John in reaction to that episode our friend on Twitter Rhymes with Fleek tweeted about how George R. R. Martin was actually really disappointed with the portrayal of these royal hunts right because it was portrayed as like I don't know a couple of dudes going hiking in the woods Mm -hmm. as opposed to what we saw in House of Dragon which it would be a huge affair everyone's glamping uh, which apparently also our friend Alicia on Direwolf City Discussed. I mean, because that's what it is. But it is interesting that Cersei and Jaime are plotting about Robert during this hunt, and then Cersei is the one who's kind of plotting about Robert the next time there's a hunt mm-hmm. around the White Hart over in King's Landing. And I mean, like, you know, Robert, he just loves the hunt. He loves the chase. Yeah, it's interesting. There's two two big hunts right in the first book that take place. Three, if you count Arya being hunted by all the group with her wolf, you know, trying to find her, I guess. True, true, true. And impromptu. Impromptu. In the hunt for Daenerys that Robert's like, hmm, what if we hunted mm-hmm. the little girl? It does make me think Robert might be an Aries. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we oh, love the chase. Wait, that's so interesting because also... And he's wise, mad. Yeah, Pudmice, he also dethroned Aries, but... Mm, but he is an Aries. Interesting. Interesting. No, because we're all about the chase and we're really mad all the time. Like, all the time. And, like, the second you actually show us the real interest that you hold within your heart, we're like, okay, Anne, move on. Next chase. Next chase. We love impossible things. And, I mean, it's how we felt about Liana. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. He loves to hunt. And that's why he's like, Ned, let's go back. Let's just, like, leave and go mm-hmm. chase things. And... Go to the narrow sea and fight. Yeah, something is him being an Aries like how Cersei's a Leo probably and like <gasps> oh my god it's <laughs> us <laughs> Robert is anyway we're Cersei and Robert <laughs> that's terrible oh, I love our relationship. Bran feels like John is angry at him, but also John's kind of angry at everyone right now, and he doesn't know why. I'm like it's because he's emo. <laughs> he's going through it. <laughs> he is. Well, I will say like. There's a lot. Once more, this chapter is specifically tied at the front to John, just like Bran's first chapter. Yeah. It does make you think that this intrinsic link between the two of their plots already from the start, like, yes, they're siblings. We're going to see them in each other's plot. But it siblings. really, I mean, even John being at his bedside when Catelyn was there, and like, that's John's biggest fucking fear, right, is having yeah. to deal with her in an intimate setting where she can say anything to him that hurts him. So, like, that his plot, even to that extent, he becomes that linked with Bran makes a lot of sense if their plots in the Endgame of Thrones are linked. Yeah, it's a great call. It's a great call out. Um, and especially, you know, we even see them touch again, right? Over in 
I think it's a Clash of Kings, right? When John's third eye thing gets real mm-hmm. gets open, so Bran we'll saw it that. from the beginning too. Yeah, we'll he saw that. that his eyes were open from the start. Oh, oh my gosh. Ah. God, in next episode, we get to do the vision. Anyways, okay. And probably okay. it'll come back, obviously, like, in wins, right? With the ghost stuff. and. I mean, that is one thing. Like, there. obviously, the show adapted it in a way that we got to see the parentage through Bran's eyes. But I think it's likely we will see that parentage come through Bran's eyes. Bran has the most connection to possibly being able to see that. You know, there's a line in this chapter. I don't remember it exactly right now. But it's like, you take one of the passageways... And then someone was saying that you might be flung off the wall or things like that. And I was like, oh, interesting. Because mm. now that you're bringing up these connections, I'm like, maybe that was more significant than I thought. There's a lot. In the, I, I mean, it's very funny. The whole first book does have all of these strong themes that tell you some broad strokes of what George was playing with, or at least who's important and who the main players are in this story. Yeah. John was planning to join the Night's Watch with his Uncle Benjamin. Bran thinks it's almost as good as going south with the king and robs the one they're truly leaving behind. It's kind of cute that he's like, he doesn't get what John's giving up. Like to him, he's like, I would be a Kingsguard if yeah. someone breathed at me. I would do it right now, today for glory. You know, I want to be like them. And John is doing such a, a, a very honorable thing and he's he gets to choose this great thing. But it's like, oh, Bran, sweetie, it's not really a choice. In he the, doesn't have anything. And the Night's Watch is like, as we know now, right? It's where they send all the criminals. It's completely different from being dubbed a Kingsguard, which is like one of the highest honors that you can get. It is interesting that for the North, who doesn't have a Kingsguard in that manner and doesn't mm-hmm. have their own king yet, or queen yet, um, but for the North, like the Night's Watch is seen as how the people of the South view the Kingsguard. The Kingsguard are just seven guys that sometimes do their job, first of all. <laughs> Especially after Jamie Lannister. Definitely a sometimes. They're phoning it in. They quiet That's quit. Serious. The Kingsguard is quiet <laughs> quitting uh, uh, every day. But, like, the North sees people that take the vows of the Night's Watch. And, again, people that take the vows, not people forced into the vows, etc., like, they see that as honorable. Bran understands, to an extent, I don't think he understands why it's honorable in full yet. That's he true. will by the yeah. end of the story. But the people that do choose to take those vows, they, they are giving up something of themselves in order to do what? Start. Um, get eaten by a zombie. They were but. having fun until that part. Maybe, but not really. I don't know, but it's also, like, it is it is similar, right? They're celibate order-ish and, like, mm-hmm. serving the realm. But I will say, other than that, maybe it is alike, right? In that they both ended up having the same amount of exciting. And by that, I mean emotionally damaging. Everyone who went to the wall and went to King's Landing was emotionally damaged. It was the same. <laughs> it's not too far off. <laughs> Everyone's fucked up. Bran is excited to ride down the king's road on a real horse, not a pony. His dad was to be the hand of the king, and they were going to go live in the red castle, right, that is made by the dragon lords. And it is full of ghosts, according to old Nan, dragon heads on its walls. And I like that he still calls it just the red castle and not the red keep, because he's like, doesn't really know entirely yet. It's really great to, to hear, like, the rumors what yeah. he knows about King's Landing and yeah. what he thinks. Because Bran has a totally idealized view 
ironically, we see at the end of the chapter <laughs> that this view he has of all these great Kingsguard members, for example, is like... Oh, yeah, that's very true. I mean, he was warned a little, but anyways... It's like, instead of kill your heroes, it's like, heroes kill you. Oh, how exciting. How fun. Like in Soviet Russia. <laughs> heroes <laughs> kill you. In Soviet Westeros, heroes oh kill God. you. So, uh, actually, that could be the... That actually really might be the plot of Brand's story with the knights. Mm-hmm. Not the knights king, sorry. With the others, etc. I mean, yeah, that this great idea evolves and kills you. Yeah. He's, you know, he shivers a little just thinking of all the dragon heads on the walls, but he's not actually afraid because his father will be there, right? And then he's like, the king will be there. He's a good guy. (laughs) The knights, the sworn swords. Also, your dad's not going to be there that long. Yeah, don't get used to him. (laughs) Welcome to childhood. Uh, There's... This, like, little bit, he's like, how could I be afraid? The Kingsguard and the Swords Swords will be there. And I'm like, damn, George. Don't gotta do that to a guy. Like, talk about innocence lost, as Warren said. This is a chapter to smash Bran's dreams. He says he hopes to be one of the Kingsguard one day. He knew all the stories. Oh, Bran, but you don't know them yet. You will. It's also interesting because Bran, from what we see in these early chapters... He's not even training much in the sword yard or any of those things, right? Like, he hasn't really shown himself to be particularly, like, great at any sort of, like, athletic... Well, not not true. That's he's not fair. Climbing. He's, he's amazing great. at climbing. He's amazing at climbing, but he's not great at any take it back. Martial, martial ability. Take it back. Okay, I take it back, because I, I realized Because I can't wrong. climb. No, no, no. I realized that was wrong immediately when I was like, wait... Climbing's pretty incredible. Like, his climbing skills are great. He's got, obviously, great grip strength. Mm-hmm. Because he saves his life for, like, two seconds before, you know, he gets thrown off. Um, Upper body strength. Well, yeah. even then, it's, like, because he trusts. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but, like, we don't see... And I guess that's the thing, right? He's about to start doing his horse skills. And in the in the show, it was a cute scene. Even whether or not it's canon, I don't care. Where Arya, you know, makes the mm-hmm. shot and... That they let her do the arrow. Yeah, Yeah. that he's struggling. It's unfair, though, because he's seven. Again, like, he's a babby. Yeah. He's very babby. He's still, you know... I mean, again, he'd be cut-bearing right now. I agree, but it doesn't seem like he's excited about pretending to fight in the way that we hear Rob and John's memories with playing each other with each other were. To be fair, like, Arya is his John. Interesting. In a way, Very, right? Yeah. I no, mean, that that is true. That is true. Rickon's too young. This is the time they would be starting to do that, and they're separated too early. Oh. And we have this passage, just to argue with Eliana more about <laughs> what Bran wants to do with his life. <laughs> Their names were like music to him. Sir Wynne of the Mirror Shield, Sir Ryan Redwine, Prince Aemon the Dragon Knight, the twins, Sir Eric and Sir Eric, who had died on one another's swords hundreds of years ago when brother fought sister in the war the singers called the Dance of the Dragons, the White Bull, Gerald Hightower, Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning, Barristan the Bull, two of the Kingsguard had come north with King Robert. Bran had watched them with fascination, never quite daring to speak to them. Sir Boros was a bald man with a jowly face, and Sir Marin had droopy eyes and a beard the color of rust. Sir Jamie Lannister looked more like the knights in the stories, and he was of the Kingsguard too, but Rob said he had killed the old mad king and shouldn't count anymore. The greatest living knight was Sir Barristan Selmy, 
Barristan the Bold, the Lord Commander of the King's Guard. Father had promised they would meet Sir Barristan when they reached King's Landing, and Bran had been marking the days on his wall, eager to depart to see a world he had only dreamed of and begin a life he could scarcely imagine. Oh my god, and now he has to live it through the Weirwood instead. This is so unfair. Holy fuck it. I'm really, that was an organic upset reaction. I'm so sorry. I'll get myself together, everyone. I mean, it's just heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. He's brought face-to-face with this famous Kingsguard member in this chapter. And then that Kingsguard flings him out of a tower. This is all Bran wanted. I mean, this is all Jamie Lannister wanted. He wanted to be Arthur Dane. Yeah. Right? Ah. He says, I had become the smiling knight. What happened along the way? You know, I've become the villain. Yeah. Which Bran, as we know now, in published, you know, order, he's kind of, he has some some tendencies he's exploring that could be villainous if he explores them too much and too often. Uh, I will also add, this is the first mention of the Dance of the Dragons in, like, the whole right? series. I didn't, I forgot it was so early. So far back. It's meaning since the 90s, George knew what he wanted from the dance. Well, there's some there's some intricacies if you listen to our Hot D and Dance of the Dragon Patreon episodes. There are some intricacies we explore. Like, he did have some changes, like Rhaenyra's husbands and, mm-hmm. also, and lovers and all sorts of things. But all that said, George imagined the dance this early. Yeah, that's really interesting. It kind of shows you the direction he was always going to take it, even as far back as the 93 letter, right? Interesting, too, For because it... Wars. It also adds another layer, right? Because Bran is younger than Sansa. If Sansa was named the heir to the North, mm. or Bran yeah, yeah. had a larger claim than the North, how would that work? Yeah, or even like even if it were Arya and not Sansa, mm-hmm. because remember, like in the ninety-three letter, they stress that Arya stays in Winterfell. Yeah, etc. Um, interesting and. Either or, I'm like, oh, different note being added to these Starks. And it's not, I mean, it's not that deep, but interesting. But one day maybe it could be, I don't know. Where brother fought sister. <sighs> yeah. And we also have this line of like the, the world he had only dreamed of and begins a life he could scarcely imagine. First of all, I would not imagine having a life where I skin change things. So I feel that, but also a world he only dreamed of. Green dreams, you know? I see seeing the world through those dreams. That's valid. I mean, that's literally... I read that and I was like, oh, you're... Oh, you're stuck dreaming of everything you once wanted. That's your life now. Just like Blood Raven says, right? Like, that he thinks about the brother he loved, brother he hated, the sister he desired. I mean, that's also... I mean, speaking of loss of innocence, is that not... Is that not growing up? A different life than that of which you dreamed, right? It is. Bran tries to grow up. He attempts to say his farewells while the hunt is out, wandering through the castle with his wolf, Old Nan, Gage the Cook, Micken the Smith, Hodor, the stable boy, our first Hodor mentioned, Aww. and the man in the glass gardens gave him a blackberry when he visited. Oh, hold on, <laughs> I, I want to stop, and I love that. I love that little detail that he's like, I want to thank the man who gave me a blackberry. Kind of like when he gets cakes from the Littles. Yes, exactly, exactly. I know you love I, I know you love the harvest scene, so <sighs> he's a good boy. He went to say goodbye to his pony, but now oh my god, I'm gonna cry. 
Now it wasn't his pony anymore. He's getting a real horse and he just wants to cry too. He runs off before anyone can see his tears or my tears. And that's the end of his farewells. He gets to his pony and he can't say goodbye. And it's even worse for, I guess, with Dancer in the next book. But when he has to say goodbye. And then he's forced to say goodbye to Dancer like that. Yeah. Oh, God. yeah. And then they also have to kill his friend the elk, right? And eat him. I hate these chapters. I can't, I'm not even looking at you right now because it hurts too Yeah, much. no, Chloe's eyes are completely closed. Her face is turning red as she deals with really? the sadness, yes. Wow, good for <laughs> So, what's fun for me about these paragraphs is that- What's it, wrong with you? So much. Me last cha- last episode, Summer is gonna die. You right now. What's fun for me is Bran has to ruin his childhood. Yep, yep. Well, I mean, like- we were talking about this, right, with some of the House of Dragon stuff in adolescence, growing up, changing, saying goodbye. And that's what this is, right? We're seeing a moment in Bran's life where he has to say goodbye to the people that he feels he would be have, have to be leaving behind to have taken care of him. Mm-hmm. Turns out that doesn't happen because seven years old is not adulthood. But anyways, yeah. Not the time yet. Whoops. He spends his morning trying to teach his wolf to play fetch in the godswood, and he fails. He fails, even though he swears that his wolf is definitely smarter than any other dog in Winterfell. Yeah, actually, there's some very obvious signs that Summer is better than Summer throughout this entire book. You know what I mean? Like, Summer is like... For example, John Dies at the End, the series, not A Dance with Dragons, but a different book series called John Dies at the End by Jason Pargan. There's, like, a dog that, like, you know, like, an animal that's smarter than they seem. That's, like, sure, a constant sure. trope yeah, in yeah, things. Yeah. And this book, it's, like, a cosmic horror sci-fi series. I've talked about it before. It's awesome. It's, like, dick jokes and acid. You should all read it. It's really fun. There's three books, fourth coming out in the fall. But uh, there's a dog that, like, has some, you know, not necessarily just a dog. Also, like, a spiritual being that can help ferry you between the places you need to go. And that okay. is summer, literally, right? Like, obviously, that is the dire wolves. But there are some definite signs here of his dog being smarter than everyone else's dog, being yeah. a little bit cooler. And that poor, oh my god, teaching his dog to fetch, his wolf to fetch, is like, it's such a, it's funny because it's indicative of his nature with the Kingsguard of how he's like, I'm going to be a great knight someday. But just like you said, he's not a fighter yet. Brand's yeah, yeah. strengths lie in climbing and being quick and small, and he's not necessarily there yet, and his wolf's strengths don't lie in that either. And there's also something interesting that, like, all the other siblings have chosen their dog names at this mm. point, right? But he has not, which reminds me of the free folk tradition of not oh, naming yeah, your yeah, yeah. kid right away. Yeah, waiting two years. Mm-hmm. And then he names it Summer. Yeah, when he wakes up, yeah. which is even interestinger. It really adds to those northern themes, in my opinion. It does. That is really interesting. I'd always thought that, like, not always. I'd have thought that uh, the, the free folk don't do that because the two-year mark is right, like, when they could be turned. But it is interesting that he waits that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of it is he's waiting for the right name to come to him, which will happen. John already got the good one. Yeah. Ghost. Yeah. The quiet, the quiet doggo that doesn't say anything, just like the weirwood. Yeah, also his uh, direwolf, as you all know, is white, and like Bran's like, dang it, that was the best name, but I know my direwolf doesn't really match that, but it was the best name. 
Yeah. I mean, Grey Wing <laughs> got Grey, you know? Like, he, now he can't name it Grey. I don't think that was, the like, a great name. It... It's okay. It is okay. I think it works because of how Rob is fast. His speed and, like, you know, and the swiftness of his reign. <laughs> I would just never name my, like, a pet Greywind unless they were, like, I don't know, racing horse. They have, like, weird-ass names like Secretariat <laughs> or American Pharaoh, right? Like, it's got that sort of energy. You wouldn't even have a dire wolf. This isn't even a conversation you <laughs> could have. True. You're not from here, from the north. That's true. <laughs> I am. I would have like a tiny ass dog. So like the pug from House of the Dragon. Oh my god, yes. Another I, inbred animal. I love that dog. Um Brand tires of the fetch game and decides to go climbing. It's his favorite activity. He hasn't climbed the broken tower in weeks, and this might be his last chance, because he's going to leave, allegedly. <laughs> he runs across the god's wood past the frightening heart tree where he tells his wolf to go stay. He goes up the low branches, getting himself halfway up the tree. His wolf then begins to howl, staring up at him with yellow slitted eyes. And then he stops. Brand has a chill go through him. He scolds his wolf, saying, You're worse than mother, and up he goes. <laughs> You're worse than my mother. <sighs> I mean, he should have listened to Summer. Summer obviously knew something was off. I mean, Catelyn's the only one here who seems to listen to any of the wolves, so... And she owes that, as we discussed during Cat, you know, that's like Cassandra, yep. you know, prophetic. Cat Sandra. Yep, yep, yep. And gosh, I mean, Summer knew something was up. Cat hates that he climbs. She often would say he could climb before he could walk when he was a baby. And Winterfell was such a labyrinth to explore. It had grown over the centuries like a monstrous stone tree. Maester Lewin had once said, its branches were gnarled and thick and twisted. Its roots sunk deep into the earth. That mm. felt really significant in mm-hmm. terms of, like, obviously trees, the weirwood trees, etc. are such a big part of the story and the magic of it. But it also made me wonder, like, is is Winterfell, like, built, like, off of a tree or something? And also the tunnels, right? We've discussed the tunnels with, like, Gendel and Gorn or something mm-hmm. before, but it also makes me think like, what if Winterfell is a little like Ithaca, you know, mm. where Odysseus, uh, Odysseus is home. Yeah, 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 with the tree in the middle, and I don't think like it's only just a tree in the middle. It obviously seems much more intense than that. I really like that, like the symbolism of the tree, the heart tree, necessarily being the literal heart of all of this, because I mean, the island of Ithaca really overall is home. Right, yeah. like it symbolizes home. That's where Odysseus gets to share his life with his wife and son, and finally rest because he's off on this huge mythic track, never to come home. Which is kind of what Bran embarks on. Uh, yeah, they're all on a huge mythic track. Literally every character. A long ass time. They have been as gone, like gone, pretty much as long as Odysseus by now. If you think about it, twenty years. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> so when he was perched at the sky Bran could see all of Winterfell in a glance it spread out beneath him only birds overhead he could perch for hours among the rain-worn gargoyles that stood over the first keep seeing the men with wood and steel in the yards the cooks tending the vegetables in the glass gardens and the girls gossiping by the wells so that line about him being among the rain-worn gargoyles, that kind of makes me think of Tyrion a little, hmm. just because Tyrion is described as a gargoyle a couple of times by the books. And also, 
this moment where you're finding out this is what Bran likes to do when he climbs shows how he might become quite accustomed to being in the Weirwoods for a bit, right? Like, because what he loves about climbing is exactly what the Weirwoods and Skin Changer gives him access to, which is, you know, just watching. Brand would like reality TV shows, I think. Little Voyeur. He loves Love Island. (laughs) I think he would. I really do. Talk about Odysseus' home. Love Isle of Faces. Um, (laughs) My God. (laughs) Talk about a circle. Uh, Um, I I do think there's something with the gargoyles, but there's also something that brings to mind that like every early description we get of any of these great keeps have Mm. gargoyles on them. All of true. them have gargoyles. George true, true, true. fucking loves gargoyles. He does. God damn, George. Gargoyle lover. <laughs> does he like the animated show Gargoyles? I love I bet it. I, I bet George likes that show. I mean, it's 90s, late 80s, yeah. right? Or early 90s? I don't remember. I'm not going to look it up. I don't want to feel neither. old. We don't feel it. We're not doing that tonight. Being on top of the castle looking out like this made Bran feel like the lord of the castle in a way Rob couldn't even know, he thinks. And he knew all the secrets of Winterfell this way. Even some things Lewin didn't know. And it's cute to watch kind of Bran's, just the people that have raised him. You see Old Nan and Lewin brought up so much in his chapters. And yes, Ned and Cat raised him. But Lewin and Nan are who raised him. Let's be real. Those are the two that spent the most time shaping who he is. And Mm -hmm. we'll get into that so much more as we get to Clash. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) There was a covered bridge that went from the fourth floor of the bell tower across to the second floor of the rookery. Bran knew about that, and he knew you could get inside the inner wall by the south gate, climb three floors, run all the way around Winterfell through a narrow tunnel in the stone, and then come out on ground level at the north gate, with a hundred feet of wall looming over you. So you had mentioned Eliana, the idea of, you know, Gendel and Gorn, and all these different little secrets about Winterfell— This felt so significant when I read it. This felt to me, I'm like, oh, so we're going to see this in The Winds of Winter or in A Dream of Spring. Or maybe we've already seen it, but during the long night, I feel like they're going to really use this passage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This feels, first of all, this is very much still an exposition chapter. It's giving us the layout of Winterfell, but like that, that feels like set up for something significant. I'm like, that's a lot of detail, and I know George loves yeah. detail, but... Thank you for this Mario Kart shortcut. <laughs> it, it's a Mario... It's totally that. It, it is. Or, like, Crash Bandicoot yes. side quest. Yeah. And even here, Bran can see all of Winterfell and its secrets. Secrets many other people don't know. So when he gets access to the Weirwood, like you said, as he starts to, you know, develop that power... Those secrets are going to be wider and bigger everywhere. Yeah, Bran is just like us, being like, did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine or did he not? What happened during Don't I still worry, don't know what it means. I don't think he did. Anyways, so. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that is, oh my god, I'm sure people are covering that. That's its own movie, to be honest. Cat <laughs> was terrified Bran would slip, understandably, fall and kill himself climbing. No matter what he told her, she once made him promise he'd stay on the ground, and he kept that promise for, like, a fortnight until he climbed out his window when his brothers were asleep. <laughs> he confessed his crime the next day, and Eddard ordered him to the godswood to cleanse himself. Guards were posted at his door that night to make sure he reflected on his actions. But the next morning, he was nowhere to be found until they found him asleep in the upper branches of the biggest sentinel. Ned was mad, but he also thought it was hilarious. Mood. He made Bran promise just don't let your mother see you climb. 
This scene was so fleeting that I almost, like, didn't think about it. But, A, it reminds me of when the girls fall asleep with Ned praying in the godswood. Yes, absolutely. Praying for Bran and praying for their family. Oh, so sweet and sad. But it also makes me think that his punishment was to sleep in the same area as the Weirwood. So when we sleep, we're very subconsciously different than when we're awake, right? Like, it's it's like it's nourishing a whole different side of us, mind and body full. Bran's given a blatant connection to the Weirwood immediately. It's spiritually interesting. He has to remain in the very quiet of the Weirwood where that Weirwood can see and hear his sins. Like a forced confession, right? Like, he's... Going to confession where his priest is saying nothing, because his priest is a tree. You can't hide from its roots. You can't hide from its branches. It sees everything. It's like that huge hard drive. You really can't, you know, you can't get out of there without it knowing and seeing you and seeing the things you've done. So that connection right there, I mean, that's, yes, all the children spend time by the weirwoods. But to be silently spending that time with a weirwood. And for it to be called out, right? Like those dreams. Like, as Mm -hmm. you're saying regarding being asleep, I mean, dreams were a big part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, very interesting, very interesting. What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, Kat has an idea of what she thinks some of these things mean. She turns to the others like Old Nan to stop Bran, who tells him tales of bad little boys being struck down by lightning while climbing, and how crows come to eat his eyes. Sometimes Bran would actually take corn up to the tower where the crows nest, and they'd eat from his hand, and none of them would eat his eyes. That is like, all the crows? Who do you think is in those crows? Several eyes at once, maybe a thousand of them, even. They all like corn, as we can find out from his dream. Corn! Corn! They're into it. Corn! Corn! I love that the language here, I just want to go back to it. Bad little boys being struck down by lightning while climbing, and how crows would eat their eyes. Euron? Atop the high top? Well, even atop when he fell. Literally atop anywhere. (laughs) Atop anywhere. It's a Euron Like that. Mm. Again, I do think Euron and Bran's plot are pretty connected, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's this guy, I don't know if you guys know, his name's Poor Quentin from the Not a Cast podcast, and he has a blog. I don't want to. And <laughs> he, he's written extensively, though, about Euron kind of being like, you know, a failed Jedi uh, yeah. kind of situation. Like, you like were in training. Guy. You were in training. You yeah. were the chosen one, Euron. And that, like Euron says, I dreamt I could fly and I fell. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then the crow's eating his eyes. I mean, that might be the little boy on the tower who fell struck down by climbing. Interesting. And, yeah, no, absolutely, that's all going to come back one day. You know? I mean, Bran is definitely the connection there for Euron. They have the for same, sure. you know, boss. That's his ex-boss. Boss. That's his boss. It's just like, I think I've literally said this before. It's just like Kung Fu Panda. It is Kung... Anyways. No, but we... I, I'm pretty sure we've had that discussion. Anyway. At one point, Lewin makes... Oh, my God. Lewin <laughs> makes a pottery version of Bran, dresses him up, little wig, throws him down in the yard to demonstrate what could happen to little boys. Catalan's propaganda has gone too far. I see why people don't like her. Um, Bran laughs, but says he's not made of clay and he never falls, which is important. 
considering I, this chapter. I just thought that was so funny. First of all, never say never, Brand, because that's how stories work. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I just love that Lewin's idea is like, let's make a little clay figure and dress him up like him. Like, who? who that will scare him. Who did he go to? Who did he go to? I was like, can you make me little Brand clothes? <laughs> just like a workplace. You know he went to Micken first, and Micken was like, this is literally not my fucking job. Yeah, like, at all. And he, like, went to someone, and he's like, or can I get a little bit of clay? I just imagine, I love Maester Lewin. I love you, Maester Lewin, for doing this. And then, like, can you imagine? He's like, Brand, Brand, come, come here. On. Come come here and watch. He just throws the little doll off. <laughs> That's the comedy I need. <sighs> the guards would chase Bran to get him down, but none of them could climb as well as him, so they never won. He loved this, like a game with his brothers, almost. He loved to take off his shoes and go barefoot, get into the crevices, stone by stone. He loved the feeling afterward, the sweet muscle ache he'd get. Yeah, no strength, I see, Eliana. Interesting. What? No, that wasn't what I was saying. I was saying he just doesn't practice martial ability much. Well, that boy does, Eliana. <laughs> he loved the way the air tasted. He loves the birds, the crows, the sparrows, the ancient owl atop the armory. He knew them all. Aw, what a good lord of the birds. (laughs) His favorite place was the Broken Tower, though the tallest tower in Winterfell that had once been a watchtower before it was struck by lightning and set afire. That seems significant based on what we just heard about the little boy climbing Mm -hmm. and then being struck by lightning. What does it mean? It had collapsed inward, never being rebuilt. So, I get it. I get it now, right? Of course, he's... Thinks of himself as Brand the Broken, and it's the Broken Tower. It's him, just like him. Not dead. Just it's broken. But maybe not. Hopefully, he learns to, you know. Maybe Brand the Broken will be Brand the Rebuilder. Ooh, that's a good name. Mm-hmm. I like that better. Others in the fandom have pointed out this imagery. Uh, of the lightning on the tower and even possibly people being thrown from it Mm. reminds them of the tarot card, the tower, often interpreted kind of as crisis and destruction, but maybe even liberation, Mm. sudden unforeseen changes to come, which that's... That is is literally this. That is this chapter. chapter. A second part, though, that feels important is uh, I think the tower itself, even the symbolism of a tower, this one specifically is generally depicted in tarot as having a crown at the top of it, which resembles kind of ambition or holding power. And the card itself shows people being flung down away from power and ambition, which might be a big part for Bran, right? Like his story is about, mm. not to quote Game of Thrones, the climb, you know, the climb. the climb or Miley Cyrus. Yeah. So to me though, the tower itself does also feel like a reference to the tower of Babel, which I know we've talked about a little bit here and there. But Genesis, uh, the origin myth etiology that comes from this is that the beautiful Tower of Babel <sighs> holds the united human race that speaks kind of a single language, and these people end up trying to migrate eastward. They come to a land and agree to build a city and tower with its top in the sky close to God, but Yahweh, seeing their city and tower, makes it so suddenly They can no longer understand one another's language. So they've come this far. They've united this far because we're all stronger together. And God sees it and says, oh, hell no. Oh, no. So they get scattered across the world, disallowing them from uniting altogether. Uh, And then from there, their job is to rebuild it, which is not unlike Tikkun Olam. You know, the idea that 
the world is full of us and sparks, and all the sparks were scattered from a tree of souls, and mm. all of us must go find these sparks and repair the world and put the sparks together, that we each have a spark. You're one of mine, buddy. Aww. But I, I think there's a couple readings of the Tower of Babel thematically in stories, and some of them are more charitable than others, right? Like, one is punishment and pride from God's eye that people dared to rise so high to heaven. However, the other is putting things back together, which not unlike the Starks, not unlike these different people of Westeros, I mean, after all this war and suffering in several books, they'll need to bring things back together. And there's even another element of that idea of the, the hammer of the waters, right? Striking below the neck and separating the south from the north. And the idea that this tower is the Tower of Babel, even looking north, looking at the others and the free folk, for example, who were separated from the north. I mean, are yeah. the free folk that different? No, they're the same people. They just live on the other side of the wall. They're just sparks that were scattered to the wind and separated. So I think this tower holds so much imagery. And, you know, it also brings to mind that there are other towers in this story. There's a certain tower. I mean, this is a tower where you could say Bran has his real birth, right? He's thrown off this tower and it leads to him becoming alive and being able to see everything. But John's born in a pretty broken tower himself, right? Mm. The Tower of Joy. Very true. Very true. That is interesting. All those connections between the towers and and seeing it as yeah a symbol of both pride, right? There's a little bit of pride, right? That uh, mm -hmm. Bran's story here, right? He's he's got a feeling that he could never fall and hubris. Yeah, he does because he's like. Mm, but what if I just hung upside down from this gargoyle and peered in the window? And I'm like, never in a million years would that be me. <laughs> but absolutely. And, uh, you know, you're saying, you're talking about these ideas of hubris and reaching too high. Obviously, flying is going to be eventually something that comes up in Brand's story. I wonder if there's something we will eventually see of, like, the story of Icarus, right? That's something also mm. about being struck down from getting too close to the gods. Mm-hmm. And what you were also saying about Euron. Hmm. Hmm. Fly too close to the sun. There are a bunch of towers there. That's what Pike's made up of. Mm -hmm. There and elsewhere, there are a mm -hmm. bunch of towers, like in the Reach. Mm. Like in Old Town. Yeah, and I do think he's going to reach there at some point. <laughs> Chloe's over me. <laughs> I'm over you. Sometimes Ned would send ratters in to clean the nests of rats out of this tower, but no one ever got to the jagged top of the structure except for Bran and his crows. You could only get in by climbing up the side of the tower, where the stones are super loose or start from the godswood and cross over the armory and guards hall, leaping roof to roof barefoot so the guards don't hear. This puts you at the blind side of the first keep, the oldest part of the castle, covered by gargoyles that you could swing from one to another and really stretch, really pull yourself into the broken tower. We have a couple great lines here, and he says, He always took off his boots and went barefoot when he climbed. It made him feel as if he had four hands instead of two. I have to say, four hands instead of two, like a wolf? Yeah, like not known for their climbing, but no, 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 literally not. But but definitely like felt wargish, right? Yeah, to say absolutely, um, and and I mean just to to real life popular culture it 
There are things like Vibram five finger shoes, right? Uh, the whole idea of oh, running yeah, barefoot, yeah, yeah, yeah. running barefoot, being closer to nature, and it's the, the the natural way our feet are made to run, you know, the, or yeah. hot yoga or whatever bullcrap people do that are healthy. Good for you. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm suffering. But whatever people do to be closer to like nature and like wholer, healthier, healer. Well, you talking about that reminds me of, you know, George is a fan of the Lord of the Rings, right? And I've heard that. I have heard that and many ways wrote this in reaction to it. And the hobbits, the hobbits walked around barefoot. Though, I, I guess, you know, the four hands thing, because I was like trying to think about it. I was like, I guess Bran doesn't really know what monkeys are. And we just, we just all know way too much. We know too much in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Bran was moving from gargoyle to gargoyle, as you were saying, over that path himself when he heard a voice. He'd never heard voices in the first keep. And unfortunately, these are real voices right here, right now. A woman's voice says, you should be hand. Oh, she has been trying for so long, so long to get this man to take this job. While the man's voice responds lazily that "Eh, it isn't an honor he'd want. This conversation then turns to the king. And the woman says, Robert loves the man like a brother. To which the male voice responds that, Robert can barely stomach his brothers, but the True. woman says, Stanless and Renly are one thing, and Eddard Stark is another. Robert will listen to Stark. And I will say, I do love Jamie's joke about Stannis and Renly. It slaps. It's hilarious. It's pretty true. funny. I mean, yeah. it's true. And I will yeah. say, like, I love that George puts these names in in these conversations, yeah. and because Bran has no fucking clue, but we, like, if you're a sharp enough reader, you go, wait a second. Aren't those names I just read about? It's very formative to put in our brain who these people are. Yeah. And we do re- meet Renly soon enough in this mm-hmm. book. Yeah. It, it's it's really well written. Like, everybody complains how many characters there are, right? Or things to remember. But to me, I think it's, maybe it's ADHD. But, like, the way he reiterates them throughout the story, I feel confident in it. You know, like, I feel like I know who each person is. I do respect that. He does a great job of weaving all these names in. I don't know if I do or if I don't, but I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, let's keep going. Yeah. We got people. I've always hyper-focused on, like, some of the smaller people enough that I'm like, oh, that's an interesting plot, enough for me to remember. You know, there Mm -hmm. are some tiny characters I don't, but I think he does a good job of that. The man says they should count themselves fortunate. The king could have named one of his brothers or Littlefinger as hand. Ew. Christ. (laughs) Get a job. He continues and says, give me honorable enemies rather than ambitious ones. Bran realizes suddenly, oh my god, they're talking about father. Dad, no. Dad, no. (laughs) He tries to inch his way closer. The woman continues on, but the man grows bored of the conversation. She's trying to puzzle out, does Lord Eddard seek to move against us? And the man actually defends Eddard's actions. They move to talk about John Aaron and his wife, Liza Aaron, who is Catelyn's sister. We learn that she fled King's Landing when John Aaron died, even though the Lannisters agreed to foster her son. George wrote this so well and vague, like I said, and you don't really know whether Cersei and Jamie are innocent or not. Like, it does yeah. give you suspicion, so it's such a great reveal in ASOS in A Storm of Swords when you learn, oh shit, it wasn't them, because you spend the first three books thinking they're villains just in time for them to turn into their own POVs. In reality, they're acting really blasé about this, so it wouldn't affect you if you haven't read this story and just thinking about it. It's something that I think 
after you've read this story a few times, you start to think about it more. But it, it really shows a lot of our understanding of these characters until we can get to their real POVs. Absolutely. It, it's, as you said, really well done. And on first read, right? Like, knowing what you know from those Catelyn chapters, it does feel like they're guilty. I'm like, oh, they're guilty. But when you reread it, it does make sense that they're like, I don't know, who cares? Like, especially Jamie, he's like, why should I worry? I'm innocent. And I'm like, Jamie, Jamie, do you not know about planted evidence? Or do you not know how the justice system works as a someone who's been accused by it this whole time? Anyway, so yeah, it turns out they were afraid like of Liza having no proof all along when it turns out it was Liza who did it. It also sucks because he, as you're starting to see, right, especially on this reread, a lot of the pieces of the puzzle were there. Liza and John, right? Mm -hmm. That is the reason that Eddard is going south. They don't realize it. And it's kind of funny that they speculate upon why would Ned go south? And they suggest, I don't know, duty, honor, and those are Tully words, as we know. Ooh. But also Aaron words, right? High mm -hmm. as honor. When, in a way, what makes him head south really is that other Tully word. It's family. It's both, as he was convinced, for the station of his children, but also for, again, the family that Ned chose, which is John, Aaron, and Robert. He goes to learn what happened to John and to protect his brother, and he kind of fails in both, but it's okay. We love him anyway. <laughs> Interesting how much weight... That's true. But interesting, <laughs> interesting how much weight those family words really hold for both of them. High yeah. is honor, family, duty, honor. Like mm -hmm. Jamie said, rather have a, an honorable foe than an ambitious one. Yeah, I mean, turns out the ambitious one is the one that does everyone in. Yeah. The man says, mothers are all mad. Oh, Jamie, if only you knew. And the woman who is identified as this man's sister, says the king loves her not. The man says with Eddard he sees a man who would sooner die than betray his king. But the woman disagrees, reminding him the man in question betrayed one king already. What happens when Robert dies and Joff takes the crown? And the sooner that comes to pass, the safer we'll all be. My husband grows more restless every day. Having Stark beside him will only make him worse. He's still in love with the sister. The insipid little dead 16-year-old. How long till he decides to put me aside for some new Liana? Hmm. Uh -oh. I, do feel, I do feel bad for her and all that. I'd be pretty annoyed if someone were like, what, 15 years? As we've discussed before, stuck on like a dead 16-year-old yeah. who didn't even like you back. When I was younger, I think it was such a more romantic concept for Robert. And now that I'm an older, wiser, not that much wiser, now that I'm just old... <laughs> Now that I'm an old bitch, uh, it's grosser than, like, it's sadder in a pathetic yeah, way pathetic. and in a sad yes, way. It's yes. both. I, I was just sad before. Now I'm sad in a pathetic way for him. And it is the second mention of Liana that we get in the story. Our first mention is just a couple chapters ago at Eddard 1. We'll get another Bran and Liana reference in Bran 7, but I thought it was great that he gets to hear this in passing and he doesn't put it together. Again, this is so sharp that it's from this seven-year-old's POV because he doesn't put together that this Liana they talk about is his Aunt Liana. You know, also because of the trauma, right? Because he gets flung out of a tower. I also find it really interesting that Ned and Bran both have their chapters 
early on revolving around the tower. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that before. And I mean, their their storylines are tied, and likely it seems like Bran might be the one who who brings up what happens in the tower, right? Mm-hmm. That is what happened in the show. Right now, though, Bran is suddenly frightened. He wants to go back the way he came to find his brothers, but he has no clue what he would even tell them. He has to get closer, and Bran can hear the slap of flesh on flesh and laughter from the two. And then he pulls himself up, crawling onto the roof next to a gargoyle to hear the rest of their conversation. And he, like, you know, hangs down from the gargoyle. And, again, would not do that. He doesn't hear much more of the conversation because now he's just hearing, you know, wet sounds, soft sounds, kissing, and sees two naked people in the room. The woman tells the man to stop but doesn't push him away, and... Her eyes are closed, moaning. Bran thinks she's being hurt. Um, and Bran realizes the woman with the golden hair is, whoa, wait, that's the queen. And he must have made a noise because everything happens so quickly. She suddenly f- opens her eyes, sees him, screams, and he begins to fall. But suddenly he's caught by a hand, by a man. The man and woman go back and forth with, he saw us! And the man asks how old he is. And... You know, we've been through all this with the Jamie chapters before. Cersei didn't necessarily want to murder Bran. That was that was Jamie, um, mm-hmm. we find out in his POV, because he was mad that his lovemaking got interrupted. But Cersei is mostly right, you know? Like, Bran has no idea what he saw. The danger really is in what he heard, uh, because he's like, oh god, this is about my dad, and... George has before said that his heart most difficult POV to write is Bran because he is so young and getting into that mindset. But it is interesting how he uses Bran being able to understand or unable to understand what sex is, right? Mm -hmm. And he's seeing it as a way to show Bran's age. But again, that means like Bran had no idea that what he was witnessing was so taboo, that this is treason because, you know, Jamie does not pull out and that siblings slash twins having sex is bad because he doesn't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. His concern, again, is more around the fact that the queen and her brother are conspiring against his father. Yeah, I mean, he thought she was being hurt and she was in a good way. In the, you know, that good... Dickin. Well, we way. were still even in the fingering part. We weren't even in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And there's also something interesting in what he says when he pulls him up. The first thing Jamie asks is, how old are you? Almost showing you, kind of on that deeper level, Jamie's trying to understand Bran as the only child he would understand how. Like, Joffrey at that age, or Tommen, who's about that age, right? Like, that's probably what's running through his head is, how old are you? Like, in his head, like, my son's age? Damn. Yeah. Because he's not allowed to touch his sons. Well, and that what that's what then goes to show you in the next frame that he's able to fling it so much from him because he's not able to do that with his own bastard children. I mean, he wants to fling his bastard children? <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, mean, he might. Have you met Joffrey? Jesus. Yeah, true. But he's more like Tommen's age, and Tommen's great, you know? Everyone's like, we love Tommen. I mean, I think that echoes later when you see how he treats Tom and he's like, just go away inside, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you, but what I did. I mean, I think maybe, maybe he does think about Bran, though George makes a very conscious decision to never bring Bran into his thoughts. He does, again, only once in his first chapter. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, that is actually not a regret. That is not a regret that I have at all. Other than regretting that it uh, made 
things difficult between me and Cersei, but otherwise mm-hmm. not a regret for him whatsoever. So Bran says he's seven, right? And we'll we'll go into this classic passage right after this before we close it out. But I will say there's something about the way Bran feels seen by the Queen. Like, uh, and this might be a little bit of like the show seeping into my memory. But there's also something about the way Bran and Daenerys' chapters end up in these metaphorical visions or even one-to-one visions with what's going on in the world. Bran can see kind of the past, the present, the future. Danny can see versions of it, right? Interpretations of it. But when they're in these visions, no one seems to see them while they see everyone else, right? Bran and Danny's visions are, you know, they're able to see other things and see ideas and those ideas don't really seem to see back and you know it's like the spongebob episode where spongebob goes through everyone's dreams right you know oh Uh, god but the language here that she sees him Mm -hmm. it it reminds me of like even the white walkers in the show when bran is marked and they can see him suddenly um while he's physically being seen it just reminds me of him connecting into the weirwood and being seen by others even blood raven yes that is really interesting and uh, yeah i i do think i don't know i don't know how it's all gonna play out and maybe it will be like that spongebob episode exactly <laughs> i mean bikini, that's the wind's winner bikini bottom <laughs> and he loves watching things and that's what we're gonna i mean we're gonna explore that more and i i mean the next chapter the next chapter really, really digs We're doing acid for the... No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing acid. <laughs> We're not do. I mean... Brand did it I don't, for I us. don't know what's going to happen to you if we do. Like, you and your speed racer, you know? There was one time. <laughs> two times that I molded into one time. That's what acid does to you. So we close out the chapter with... His fingers had dug deep gouges into the man's forearm. He let go sheepishly. The man looked over at the woman. The things I do for love, he said with loathing. He gave Bran a shove. Screaming, Bran went backward out of the window into empty air. There was nothing to grab onto. The courtyard rushed up to meet him. Somewhere, off in the distance, a wolf was howling. Crows circled the broken tower, waiting for corn. It's a feast for crows! Corn! 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 (laughs) That's the real feast! So the chapter revolves around Bran, thinking that he has to leave his childhood behind as he enters this new chapter of his life. And by that, I don't mean chapter two. You mean this coma? Yeah. By that, I mean not even chapter three, because it does not come to pass in that way. And his reluctance, like, to leave it behind, right? Like, he's excited to go off, but he's also, turns out, afraid to say goodbye to all these people and memories. And, and that makes sense. That makes sense that you don't want to leave childhood behind because you are seven years old, and I do not ask that of literally any seven-year-old. <laughs> Coming back to what our friend Warren said up top in regards to Bran's story and the loss of innocence, I mean, this is a chapter that is about change, right? It's about mm-hmm. skin change. Wait, no. But it is about change. And it starts with the introduction, like Bran's storyline in chapter one starts with the introduction of death and duty right through the beheading Mm -hmm. that is a loss of innocence in its way and then the next chapter transitions into bran seeing sexual intercourse for the first time and like with the beheading he does not look away 
mm-hmm. even though he probably should have, uh, which leads to, you know, again, all of, all of this shit. And it's the loss of innocence as he suddenly sees that, well, does that mean that the good queen isn't good if she's against his father? And that the knights in the stories can't be heroes if they throw little boys out of towers? <laughs> well. Well. <laughs> Welcome to a song of ice and fire. Anti-heroes. Anyway. Um, so again, coming back to what Warren was saying about mercy and loss of innocence, I, I think maybe that's the thing, right? Like, all of us have to grow up, or, or we should. Yeah. Clearly, Robert has not done a great job of that, but people grow up, they get older, Sometimes. and the loss of innocence happens to all of us. Yeah. You know, we, we all make mistakes. We all have our yeah. sins, right? Yeah. And mercy is about understanding that all of us are guilty and showing kindness anyway. And also, you know, as as you said, we, I have been thinking a little bit about the loss of innocence and it's the way it's reframed in stories, especially in the wake of having wrapped up his dark materials and maybe because someone posted on the subreddit, like, what do you think the themes of his dark materials are? And a bunch of people commented with, like, we're not doing your homework for you. Read the books. <laughs> they were like, so you wanted us to write your essay for you. <laughs> and that was literally like half the comments. Was it because, really? Yeah. I need to look at that. I saw it today, actually. I did see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love that. It, it is, though. It is totally that reframing of innocence, innocence, loss. And I don't know. There's something. I'm on my Nisa Nisa kick these days, you guys. I'm all about that Nisa Nisa. And there's something in the way that Jamie takes, you know, he feels relaxed when Jamie says, how old are you? Because that's like a thing adults ask you when you're a kid, right? They yeah. say, how old are you? How old are you? Trying to relate to you to understand Ah, when I was that age, this is the kind Mm. of being I was. So I will treat you as if you are that being as well. So, like, Jamie asks, how old are you? And Bran softens and lets go of his arm, ungouges his arm, and trusts him. And looks to him trustfully, like, oh, this person will not hurt me. And he says, I'm seven. And Jamie goes, huh, throws him out of a window. (laughs) And he trusted him almost like a sacrifice, right? Like, almost like a blood sacrifice in a way that in his trust, in his full big eyes looking at him, Jamie throws him to the ground and he dies, but he rises, magically rises, right? Like because of the sacrifice of Catelyn later that she fights off the motherfucker and Summer and all of these little things about Bran's little death here in a way. But it, not that, not, not that, not, not the he, masturbation one. Yeah, like Jamie's lack not that of little innocence. Death. Sorry. Yeah, lack of little death for Jamie. My God, no little death for any involved. Um, I would love to see the escape scene actually for Jamie and Cersei from this tower. Truly, but that like, feels like a magical spell, right? Like a protection. Like he, that's why he rises the way he rises. Like there was pure yeah. innocence in the way that he gets thrown to the ground. He had no. You know, Ares had it coming. That's a big take I'll put out there today. Ares, Targaryen yeah, had it coming. Absolutely. absolutely. Brandon not. No. This is his tower. You guys were fucking in it. Like, get the fuck out. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because, as you said, right, he's trusting Jamie and how that all comes back to him. First of all, I think seriously, Jamie were like, well, that killed the mood. Mm hmm. That's part of the escape from this time. They're like, that that's killed the mood. That's a boner killer. <laughs> um, and. Jamie feeling like he does not care anymore about what he does to Bran, as we see in his chapters, that ties to his own loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. Because you said, yeah, Ares had it coming. <laughs> so Jamie did too until Bran stopped in. Jesus. 
it being as it did. Yeah, yeah, the little death. Yeah. <laughs> Brand's little death interrupts Jamie's. Whoa. Well, we'll talk about that little death a little more next episode in Brand 3, which is wild. Yo, Brand 3 is really like, I know we're not doing acid for Brand 3, but if we did, it would be for maybe be Brand like 3 that. or House of the Undying. Yeah. But yeah. we're not gonna. No, I think that would be really that would be a really bad episode if we put that out. Bad episode in multiple ways. I promise that that would be a bad trip for all that listen. Yeah, and not just the kind of bad trip that Bran has just now. I don't know. I think that uh, you know, we'll see him next fall. Oh, oh, oh! I'm elbowing oh, Eliana yeah. right now. Oh, I'm elbowing oh. her. <laughs> I've never gotten to do that while we made a bad joke together. That was fun. We yeah. should do that more often. We should make more bad jokes more often. Uh, well, we can't wait to make more bad jokes with you next week for Brand 3 in A Game of Thrones, our 167th Song of Ice and Fire episode. Whoa. And that's being vague. I mean, we've done other episodes. Yeah. We also have, again, a bunch of other episodes, both on our Patreon and regarding his dark materials. And if you want to keep up with all of the episodes that come out, be sure to subscribe to our social media. You can find us at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon. That's C-A-N-O-N. And maybe you have thoughts to send us. Maybe your name is also Brandon and you would like to celebrate the advent of your chapters. You can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. And if you're not already, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast streaming platform, whether that's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We are on a bunch of them, and I guarantee you'll find us wherever you search. Mostly. <laughs> and you can definitely always find us, though, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we do, again, have those bonus episodes for patrons in the Stranger Tier and above, the $5 tier and above. As well as events, weekly events, monthly events for patrons in the Thunder Tier and above, where you get a lifetime access to our Discord. That is the $10 tier and above at our Patreon, including Hot D discussions weekly, including monthly brunch and happy hour. As always, I have been one of your hosts. Chloe. <laughs> I forgot my name for a second. I was like, like, she's skin changing. She doesn't know who she is right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back next week to trip balls in brand three. In not that kind of trip. But basically. Yeah, it's a little both. It's a little both. Goodbye. Goodbye.